Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com. And welcome back. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato on The Condo Expert. And we're speaking with Steve Clemens of the CFAA, stands for Canadian Fire Alarm Association. You know, Steve, when I think about different modifications, like these 20-year-old older buildings, for instance, and even some of the newer ones now, like right now it's the, the wave to think about the electrical hydro costs and trying to bring down some of that operating budget many condominiums and in particularly two key areas. One actually is in the stairwell and the other one is in underground parking. So thoughts are going around to different condominiums are having different discussions with different service providers with respect to changing the lighting systems downstairs uh, in the underground to go to better high efficiency devices. I mean, I even got to the point where I had heard of one company rather than just changing the bulb, they literally want to change the entire fixture. But the interesting part is when you change the entire fixture, are you ready for this? The bulbs can never be replaced. If you ever want to replace them again, you got to replace the entire fixture. But, you know, getting away from even the cost factor, what about the safety aspect of these changes and renovations and so on? I mean, is, is that a little bit scarier? Is there a way to have this reviewed to make sure that it's maintaining a safety aspect in the building? One thing I would encourage, many of our members are in the engineering aspect and can help in the consulting field with all these areas. I know that's expensive and I know that's not always the case, but always make sure when you're dealing with these hydro renovations, you're going to be looking at power that feeds your life safety systems, including your fire alarm. If you're looking at those, make sure you pull an electrical permit. Make sure it is reviewed by your municipal electrical authority. That way you have registered electricians, many of which are fire alarm certified technicians. And in the province of Ontario, most of our electricians now are fire alarm technicians as well because in the building code, you have to be an electrician to put in a fire alarm system. So that is one requirement. So with the electricians these days, uh, we have some of the highest uh, trained electricians in the country and here in Ontario, and we have the highest standards for electrical use. But again, it feeds your power to all of your emergency systems and just think of the, the one thing that we've seen uh, over the last few years and, and myself in the building owner uh, representative area is that the monitoring and the false alarms. So A, our monitoring system, how is it hooked up to the hydro? How are we getting backup power with these new generators and, and efficiency systems? We're forgetting about the things that have to run 24-7. Like our monitoring, we want to make sure that our fire alarm calls the fire department to let them know that there's an, an alarm. But again, when we're dealing with all these wires as well, we're getting technicians that may snip a wire that they shouldn't have or may have inadvertently caused heat into a, an area that's now, or dust, even cutting, creating dust and setting, setting off a false alarm on the fire alarm system. That's going to cause expenses. It's going to cause delays. It's going to cause disruption to the building that we don't need. The biggest thing I'd like to see with the use of fire alarm technicians is the reduction of fire alarms that are not required. Those ones that could have been avoided just by proper thinking. And again, if we do that in our fire safety plan, we list out if we're going to do maintenance, here's how we make sure that we 
have a fire safe building, take off the fire alarm system and have a fire watch. How do we review what kind of systems we may impede if we do different operations within that building? So again, making sure we go through a safe, a safe change, a management of change process. So we understand what systems we're going to affect, when we're going to affect them and how we can maintain the safety in the building. And again, Follow the fire safety procedures under Section 2 of the Fire Code, and we'll be great. Again, and all those standards that you can reference uh, to make that safe, we've got many of the ULCs, not just for fire alarm, but for the monitoring systems and everything else, all listed on the CFA under the National Canadian Fire Alarm Codes and Standards page. So you mentioned a, uh, a fire watch, or an alarm watch. That was interesting because uh, with everything that you're talking about now, I, my mind is turning and I'm thinking, okay, so if, if anything is being done within the building, okay, that all of a sudden they have to either tap into the electrical or they have to do something to ensure that they don't get the false alarm. Because I mean, false alarms are like $1,500 every time that the uh, firemen have to come to your door, but not only about the cost of it, but you know, it's the same old story. Why are we using their time when they could be out elsewhere, you know, maybe to some kind of an alarm that could be more important than having false alarms, which really, you know, they could compromise. The worst compromise we have with yes. any of these unwanted alarms is the way the firefighters and the way the occupants then get so, they they get relaxed now. Oh, for they, sure. Yeah, The more absolutely. false alarms we have. It's not safe. It's not safe. We no. get our mindset into it's just another fire alarm. Exactly. And that's why we ha- need to reduce the unwanted alarms. If we reduce the unwanted alarms, we have more faith that when it does go into alarm, that it is a real true alarm that well, is doing what it's supposed to do. Exactly. So therefore, so if uh, if a board of directors it has, you know, they've gone through all the proper protocol, as you've mentioned. So technically speaking, what they would actually be doing is, is that they would probably shut down the alarm during the time that they're doing certain certain works, not long period of times, of course, because of safety. But then when they bring them back on, they should actually at that point probably get them all reviewed again just to make sure they're all falling in line. So do you have some kind of a meter of some sort that determines uh, the strength of electricity going through the wires or something? Or is there any internal kind of gadgets that you use for this kind of job? Again, every building's a little bit different, mm-hmm. uh, at least on the fire alarm side. Every fire alarm has to have backup power. Okay. So the power going to the fire alarm system is fine in most cases. Again, we have to look at what's being done in the building. But what about the other systems that may not have battery backup power or not enough battery backup power? We have to make sure all those are integral to the system. The worst thing about um, a lot of this maintenance is dust. It gets into the smoke detectors and and creates a false alarm that way. We have different types of smoke alarms on the market. However, there's different ways we can make sure to unprogram that so it's not going to work at that particular point or even put in a bag over it. But we have to have clear, concise procedures because if we put a bag on it, who's taking the bag off? Mm-hmm. Who's watching that area while the bags are on that smoke detector? Uh, what about the heat detectors? Are we having heat too close to it? Can we put barriers to the heat? So when someone's doing plumbing or or any, using any open flame, are they far enough away from a heat detector? Or how can we ensure that that heat detector does not falsely go into alarm? And again, a lot of our heat detectors are rate of rise. So it doesn't have to be just a flame impingement on that. It could be 10 degrees within that area within so many seconds, and that's going to go into alarm. So we have very high technology in most of these buildings nowadays. We have to understand what we have in our building, how we can maintain it, and how if we do any changes, that we have a management of change process within our fire safety plan to ensure we don't have these unwanted alarms. 
So, and I know that every condominium, I mean, they have a standard process where once a year they go through the building and just to see whether or not all the units are operative. But this isn't something that's mandated though. That's where I'm coming from. It's not a mandated review. They've gone ahead and they've contacted them to have this review to come out and check everything. But is it actually mandated to a point of being fined if it's not done? And actually, if there's anything that that occupant has done to each one of those, it's a $200 mm-hmm. fine. It's right in the fire code. Every uh, housing unit unit has to have a working smoke alarm or smoke detector. They could be interconnected. It could be onto the fire alarm system. There's many ways to meet the objective of the Ontario fire code. However, they must be tested annually. And now if that condo is for vulnerable occupancies, it must be done by a fire alarm technician. If it's connected to a fire alarm system, it must be tested by a fire alarm technician on an annual basis minimum. And again, if it's a standalone smoke alarm, that building owner is responsible to ensuring there's proper paperwork that either they are responsible if there's no paperwork for that unit being tested every month. And sometimes the manufacturer has right in the wording, it should be tested every week. So now we're going to talk about who's living in the unit. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato on the Hayes FM at the Condo Expert, sponsored by Bayshore Health and Wellbeing, and I'll be right back. 